Hey, everybody, in this episode of Box Office Breakdown, Dr. Sleep was busy taking a nap while Midway soared to number one. We're going to break it all down next. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talk's Box Office Breakdown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Box Office Breakdown. This, of course, is the show that looks back at the box office that just happened, and then we look forward to the box office that's coming next week. Holy cow. Welcome, welcome. Look at this. Yes, I'm Frank Morant, and joining us, special, all the way in from his fantastic new show here on Popcorn Talk, Star Wars News. Star Wars News. Ryan Nelson. Thank you so much, Frank. Pleasure to be here, y'all. I am in the live chat. I know last time I was here, I made an outrageous bet about Downton Abbey. Yep. And I lost. Completely wrong. And I should be wearing a butler uniform. Uh, Let's just say I might double down on that. And there might be an even bigger bet. But that butler outfit is coming. (laughs) Okay? Uh, This was a uh, a put-me-in-coach there you go. Moment, but I'm so psyched to be here and talking about the box office. It was kind of a crazy week. I uh, can't wait to get into it. It's going to be fun. Now, as always, making us look good and sound even better is Brie in the booth. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Brianna oh. Phipps. Look at this. The best in the biz. She is the angel of popcorn talk. <laughs> That's true. There you go. Yep. I am floored. That is such a beautiful and amazing announcing. Well, it's Thank not amazing. You, it's true. There you go. There we go. And we're just psyched to have everyone here in the chat. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, As always, folks, yeah, like us on Facebook. Give us those five stars on iTunes. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give it a thumbs up while you're there. And as Ryan said, the chat is up and running. So hop in there. I know you folks are already in there sharing your thoughts. But feel free to talk about anything that we're talking about or just anything movies in general. Irvada Hassin says, I love Frank. Well, we love you, too. Oh, my gosh. I don't see an I love Ryan. That's fine. Uh, You don't need to. Yet. That's right. Uh, we, We also love Brie. All right, so uh, diving in, as I said at the top here, we had a, uh, a sneak uh, sneak attack here from number one of the box office this week. Uh, last week, we were kind of speculating what we thought, and yeah. we have a Stephen King uh, film based on a successful book, based off a successful film as a sequel. Yes. And now you're thinking, all right, how could this not, the curiosity would be there, how could right. this not take number one? Uh, unfortunately, Dr. Sleep did not do well, and instead, Midway, Midway. came from out of nowhere and took number one at the box office with a nice $17.5 million. Right, which isn't that big. No, not on a slow weekend like this, but still, I don't think anybody uh, ahead of time was anticipating this to do as well as it did. I think this was one of the most abnormal weekends at the box office of the entire year. Because going in, you have really two big releases that aren't midway. You have Last Christmas, and you have Doctor Sleep. And it's November 8th through 10th. Mm-hmm. I thought this was such an odd weekend to release those two movies. One, this is the weekend after Halloween. Like, are all the people who liked Halloween thinking, oh, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be into the scary movie next week. Like, no, that should have come out in October while everyone's hyped for scaring. I don't know why they picked November 8th. And then last Christmas, we're a month away from December. Very true. But why are you putting a Christmas movie out? It is always frustrating. Because last year they did The Grinch. The Grinch came out first week in November as well. And that had legs to it. And there's always that thought like, hey, well, you know, people, once Halloween's done, there are those people that immediately go, it's Christmas. Yeah. Forget Thanksgiving. It is Christmas. I have a piping hot cup of coffee here. I keep burning my tongue on it every time I take a sip. Sorry. So I can see Universal's thought and like, all right, yes, this is where we're going to jump right into it. We're going to get out of the gate. The Grinch did well this time, this box, this weekend slot. Let's put Last Christmas there. And uh, it did not do well. Uh, but it's also Veterans Day, 
which was a shrewd move when it came to uh, programming Midway into the slot. Right. And it, um, in hindsight, it seems obvious. On Veterans yes. Day weekend, the, a war film opening at number one, I think the, all the factors that were kind of going against that for us and maybe the, the speculators and if it would do well is that it's directed by Roland Emmerich. Mm-hmm. This is the guy. Yeah, he did Independence Day, but Resurgence, horrible. He, I think he did White House Down. Yikes. He, his past few times up at bat have not been great and the fact and this movie's kind of just been sneaking in there hasn't been a ton of advertising it looks pretty generic for the most part when it comes to war films so i'm i I didn't really think much about it and as our video title suggests we slept on it yeah from everything that i saw what little i saw this movie but the general overall tone is that the uh the action sequences and the flying is fantastic Mm. the story itself uh, very cliche and, and clunky. Right. So, uh, yeah, I saw a little bit. I, as I was uh, leaving the theater yesterday, I was like, I'll just duck in the midway for a hot second. <laughs> nice. Just to get a little tone of that. And I saw just one quick scene with uh, the Jonas brother there and Dennis oh. Quaid. And, uh, oof, it was a little rough. It was a little rough. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't... It, it goes to show that, I guess, some films, just premise alone, if you have the right weekend, can perform well. And I think that, that that's what made this interesting so so interesting is that a war film on Veterans Day weekend will succeed. I think that's the, around the time. Well, no, American Sniper was that was in a January release, but I have to imagine you know if that you put a movie like that out on Veterans Day weekend, it's bound to do better. Mm-hmm. It's a longer weekend for some, um, and that's just what everyone's thinking about. Whereas these other two films. Look, I mean, what you were saying up top, The Shining is probably one of the most famous horror movies, if not the most famous horror film of all time. But it wasn't a successful film at the box office. No, that's true. I mean, and Stephen King has come out and saying that he, he does not enjoy the adaptation of that novel that Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick did. And and he did go out and saying that he felt like this redeemed a bit of that film for him. Dr. Yes. Sleep did. I did see it. Yes, as did I. Oh, you did. Oh, we'll have yes. to talk about it. But uh, yeah, I think the thing is... It, I was making this point earlier to one of our uh, coworkers, Stephen Lemieux. He was saying, you know, everyone under 25, present company excluded, has not seen The Shining. And that, you know, as awesome as the sequel is, if this came maybe 10 years ago, I think you could have got an entire other audience on board. And it just would have been a much more popular film. Uh, And it's a longer movie, too. Two and a half hours. Yes. Fewer showtimes. A lot of these factors contribute, and I'm still shocked it didn't get number one. It's just like, what is going on? So I, I thought that was guaranteed box office. As did I. Uh, you know, and then when you think about it, we have seen so many in the last year or two of sequels to films that have been dormant for a while, for franchises that have been dormant. Right. And so this is probably one of the furthest ones that it's had a sequel from. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, yeah, you're right. As, you know, as Stephen was saying, anybody under 25 having not uh, seen the original film. Yeah, no one's probably seen it. I, I'm thinking, and then with the last Christmas, I think it goes back to what you're saying. It's a, it looks a little generic. It looks, I would not know from that poster that Paul Feig, Paul Feig, yep, but Paul Feig directed that. A guy who's such a stylistic, comedic director. This is his Christmas album, quote unquote, and you have no sense that he even had a part in that movie from the poster, from the trailer. That is true. It's really fascinating. Uh, real quick, Dr. Sleep did $14.1 million, And uh, since, as Ryan and I have both seen the film, uh, we will share our spoiler-filled thoughts towards the end of the show to give you an opportunity if you want to hop out and have it, don't have anything spoiled for you 
if you haven't had a chance to see it, which, given the way that it's done at the box office, I feel a lot of you may not have seen it. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm looking at the chat right now. <laughs> Nyla J even said, I just skipped out on the movies this weekend. She was happy to have a, a break. Um, we also got Sky Patterson saying, Midway did well because it's a generic war film full of fashion models. Also, it's Veterans Day weekend, too, which is interesting because I, I, also, I almost feel the same about Last Christmas. But the weekend just doesn't support that movie. I'm really curious how Last Christmas would have performed if this was December 8th through 10th as opposed to November 8th through 10th. I, it still wouldn't have done. You don't think so? <laughs> it's, ugh, it's not a great. It's Yikes. not great. Uh, yeah, the re- word of mouth also <laughs> contributes. It's just the thing. Midway didn't have good word of mouth. No, no, it didn't. No, I, I hadn't thought. I mean, I remember seeing a couple ad- advertisements and some commercials. Yeah. I never saw a trailer in the theater for it, though. I literally did not hear anything or know anything about this movie until today. Right. And <laughs> I was just like, as I pulled that poster up for when you guys were talking about it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, Patrick Wilson, Darren Chris, Nick Woody jo- Harrelson. Like, what? Yeah. Why is all, like so many? How did I not hear about this film? It, but I, that's why I'm saying it was. It's time. It's the time. The release date was so. It's pitch perfect marketing for that. I assume, given your reaction to how many great people are in this film, Brie, you're buying your ticket right now to go see it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of want to go see it <laughs> yeah. because of the actors. See? There you go. All like right. if they had done better job promoting it, I probably would have gone this weekend. But I literally didn't know it existed. Well, I look forward to you going uh, next weekend then and telling us all about it. Right. Who saw Midway? Sound off in the chat. I have a hunch no one in the chat saw it. <laughs> uh, I mean, apparently people saw it because it won. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I'm just curious. I think it's it's that target audience. Very true. Uh, coming in at number three this week was Playing With Fire at $12.8 million. And then coming in at number four is the film we did our box office bet on last week. That's Last Christmas, as Ryan was mentioning. Paul Feig directed film. Yeah. Uh, co-written by Emma Thompson based on an idea for the film with uh, Emma Thompson and her husband, Greg Wise. Uh, that did $11.6 million. And, uh, and who who won that bet, Frank? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> Bree, I mean, I guess if you really want to get into it right now, we can certainly Here do we that. Go. Uh, the Here winner we go. <laughs> with $14.75 million, Bree. Yes, yes. You're the winner. I was the winner. And remember, yeah. I almost went 16 with you, you and Carrie, and I decided last minute, nope, I'm going 14. She I played think the it's not under. That's right. Uh, Carrie came in second at 16, and I came up uh, in last place yet again with 16. I mean, that's not technically true because remember, the chat gave Amy a 30 million bet. That's so. true. Yes. Wow. So, so Amy, you know, she loves her. She loves her romantic comedies. <laughs> you know, that is my thing about this film is that I, it's been billed as a rom com. Yeah. But I really don't feel like there's much rom in this uh, this com or love in general. Yeah, you know, and 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 the com is not that that great either. Mm. Honestly, from watching the trailer a million times uh, via, I watch a lot of television via the internet. So, with ads, <laughs> this movie got played. Uh, the trailer got played so much, and I was already over it before I could even go see it because I just got shoved down my throat on those ads. Now, all right, Bree, I'm going to ask you this Good question. Point. Based on what you only saw on commercials, trailers, whatnot, what do you think this movie is about? Uh, <laughs> the, the girl and the guy, mm-hmm. uh, she plays an elf. Okay. Um, and she's cynical. And she's cynical. Yeah, she seemed cynical from the trailer. Got it. I took it as, okay, this is a George Michael music video. True. I mean, it's all. About, <laughs> it, there's a lot. Of, if you love George Michael, I mean, this is there's a, a lot in there. Film. I mean, you this know, has... at some point they they get together, and some point they like, and then something happens that makes one of them mad, the other one. They break up, 
but then they find their way back to each other before the end of the film. That's usually how that goes, right? True. I, well, you know, yeah. But this film, a little bit different, Brie. A little bit different. A little bit different. Yeah. I, I, I also just thought this film had a winning team behind it. I really do. I love Paul Feig. And yes. I, his his way to take a genre and add a comedic spin on it, like a spy, or even, you know, Ghostbusters, not very well received, but did well. Bridesmaids. And, Bridesmaids, uh, even a, a simple favor last year. Mm-hmm. Incredible film with loads of comedy. And I'm. this was his Christmas album. And instead of it being a Mariah Carey Christmas album, it was more like uh, a band that just does some covers and you, you completely forget about it. I do have to really fast shout out to the chat um, from last week because we were saying Mariah Carey for this. And then I afterwards, I did realize that that is not the Mariah Carey song. And they were 100% right. George oh. Michael. And me and Carey were trying really hard to convince ourselves <laughs> that that was the Mariah Carey song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> I missed out on that convo. Yeah. It's, it's a shame because I feel like that, you know, there is... If you've seen the full trailer, you pretty much guess what the, the twist of this film is. And there's been a lot of talk about what the twist is. It's uh, it's kind of a it's pretty obvious right from the beginning. And all you're doing is you're watching to see how they how true they stay to that uh, that twist. Right. Yeah. So uh, you see that Henry Golding, which I like to I like to make crazy rich Asians, and he's fun to watch in here. But he's not in there, not in this film as much as you would think based really? on the trailer. It's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Really odd weekend at the box office. I. I do think, uh, whoops, I, I do think that this does say a lot for Paul Feig. Like, I don't know if he's a sure bet anymore. He's just had a few stumps in the road at this point. And I think he was one of the most bankable comedic directors out there. And now, not so much. He's he's had a few box office duds. It's, I think they should have taken some of the promotion from this movie and given it to Midway. Because then I would have known about Midway and not been so annoyed <laughs> with this one because like i i was turned off to going to see it because of how often i saw the trailer yeah i would like to know especially when you as you were saying ryan when you have somebody of uh the comedic chops of puffy doing a film like this how much of a back and forth he and emma thompson had in terms of uh with the script and working on it i mean emma thompson i think is such a a talent on her own uh i'd be really i that that was another reason i was really curious to see the film um but that, that's a good point. I think it sounds like a lot of the issues with this film that I've heard have been from the script, from the writing. And uh, yeah, I guess at what point do you, how many, can you do a rewrite? Can, did, did it need another pass? Uh, were they trying to, to reach this date? Um, I, I was, I'd be really curious to see the film. I plan on seeing it. Yeah, It's one of those where, if uh, again, if you've seen the trailer, you can figure out what the twist is. But I don't know if that's necessarily bad marketing in terms of Universal's part. Mm-hmm. But because even if they changed the way that they had presented it to the film going audience, there, uh, it's still even if you went in not knowing what the twist is or even having an idea of the twist, seeing it played out just uh, if you're seeing it for the first time on screen, you'd still be kind of let down by the way it's executed. I think really since so yeah. the execution of the film, yikes. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, and then of course running out our top five, Terminator, Dark Fate. Uh, yeah, so uh, there you go. Right out there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Terminator Dark Fate, you know, obviously a massive disappointment from last week and probably a ultimate death to the franchise. I think this franchise is terminated. Uh, and I'm sorry to hear that because from what I heard, it's 
the quote unquote best one since two, which isn't a high bar. No, it's true. And I was looking at just the uh, 10 day totals and this is still underperforming Genesis, the last Terminator <sighs> film, which I feel like nice. is definitely a sign that this, this franchise may need to go sit down for a long, long sleep. Right. And long sleep. Like sleep a, is the word this there week. You go. Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Yeah, I, I I do think it's it was just kind of too little, too late. You know, after you have three, is it three? Yeah, three, three films in a row before this. Yes, that just people weren't happy with. A fourth is real, is hard. No, that's true, and I I don't know if this is a franchise you'd want to see. Say stays kind of dormant for ten years, and then somebody starts at the beginning by remaking the original Terminator and going yeah. that route. I feel like that's the only option at this point. I think to try to continue the franchise as it is, is it would be foolish. It'd be foolish. Point. Just yeah. redo it or or leave it alone from now on. Yeah, I think it had its time. Uh, this it's it's sad because it just fizzled out, and you hate seeing franchises that have such a big fan base around mm-hmm. them, or that you know there's a bunch of fans out there for just kind of fizzle out and not really have that final epic uh, win. And it's not like Star Wars where, you know, you have all these these decades of time in between and there's all these new generations of fans. It's like Linda Hamilton and Arnold are there. And That's it's true. There's time travel. It, it's a messy storyline at this point. Uh, and even now, like, ignoring other films. And it's just so sloppy. It, it's, a, it's a shame. It really is. Because, uh, you know, Terminator 1 and 2 are classic hollywood films and are classics in their own way and i just i wish uh, it had a, a bigger a better life later in the franchise well it is interesting because i mean if you compare it to star wars mm-hmm. what you're saying so you, you do have three straight three films straight in a row that pretty really much uh, galvanize the fan fan base and really lock it in uh, and they follow it for I mean then it's yeah, it's two decades before it actually almost two decades before the uh, the prequels happen right so those are three films that mixed bag but I think overall people are disappointed in the prequels mm-hmm. uh, and that's why people were so excited about when Force Awakens comes so if you kind of compare that to Terminator it's got two solid films three duds that comes back with the fourth one that's right better than the previous three but still not exactly what people wanted I think it's the type of it's the type of franchise Star Wars is such a huge world. Even though they're focusing on one family for the most part, the Skywalkers, it's there's so many different stories. And even with prequels that, for the most part, didn't get a lot of praise, they were successful. And they also had a new generation of fans and, uh, and spawned TV shows. Like, Star Wars movies definitely took a seat for a while. But ever since the 2000s, we've had stuff on Cartoon Network. We've had things on, um, on, on Disney. On We've had Rebels. We've had books all this all these types of things and now it's just that it's all coming to a hold and we're even getting a show this week so it's just that that the size of that universe is so big there's so many stories to tell there's so many books to write whereas with terminator it's the connors and skynet Mm -hmm. and time travel and it's so easy to get some stuff mixed up when you have time travel and you're making massive decisions in each film and trying to just make a movie around that. It's almost like this one almost had very few avenues to go down. And I know that there's something really controversial that happens within the first five or ten minutes. And it's maybe that's just not what you kind of want uh, from your Terminator films if you're a fan of the original two. True. Although I feel like yeah, that's when you see like real-world aspects coming in because you feel like, well, we need to do something to kind of we can't rely on who we've had in the previous films. We need to do something to change it going forward. And the mm. only way to do it is to change something very fundamental about the 
essence of what Terminator is, and maybe that's just too much for people to like. It, that's taking it too far. Well, the filmmakers right. think like, oh, we need this. The audiences might be thinking like, no, I, I was fine with what we had. Yeah, we do have uh, someone in the chat, Rec Writer, uh, who said Dark Fate was like going to prom and then realizing you're not getting laid. Oh, nice. Oh. Okay, all right, there you go. <laughs> Well, what better way to wrap a bow on that one there? Uh, folks, we just did our box office bet where Brie, once again, I mean, she's on a tear with these box office bet victories. Uh, we'll see if she has what it takes to to pull out another win this coming week. <laughs> there you go. The little fanfare there. Because there are three, yes, three films for you and the chat to vote on about which we'll do the, uh, the box office bet. And that are that those films are The Good Liar. With Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. Mm. Intriguing. I'm so excited about that movie. Uh, wow. I really, I don't know, something about the trailer. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, Helen Mirren's been having some gem performance films mm-hmm. over the past couple of years, so definitely one to look forward to. Uh, we have Charlie's Angels with the Elizabeth Banks directed film. Yeah. Wish I was a little more excited for it. I know. I mean, what I like about this is that they're still treating it as an in-continuity with the previous mm. Drew Barrymore films. This is yeah. like now this is taking place present day, which I do like that. I, I, I will I feel say like- that this looks like the best I, I've seen Kristen Stewart from the trailer. Like, I'm not a huge Kristen Stewart acting fan. Mm-hmm. Um, from the trailer, this looks like it might be her best role, that I, I think. Wow. Yeah, her and Robert Pattinson have definitely been trying to get the quote-unquote Twilight stink off of them for a number of years. She actually had an incredible film uh, two or three years ago called Personal Shopper. Gotta check it out. It's an indie film. Phenomenal. But yeah, she's been doing some unique... She has some unique choices over the past couple years. Like a lot smaller stuff. And this is a bigger commercial film um, that's not a Snow White and the Huntsman or Twilight. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how she does in this one. It's fascinating. We were just talking about Terminator. You know, McG did Terminator Salvation. He's directing this film. And I'm... I'm or he, sorry, he directed the old, the OG. Yes. Elizabeth Banks is directing Elizabeth this Banks baby. is doing this one. So I, yeah, that she... I, I, love, I love Elizabeth Banks. And I, I do have faith in this movie. She did the last two Pitch Perfects. Mm-hmm. So we know she she's got chops in directing. Um, so yeah, I I'm looking forward to it. I just don't think that there's a big buzz around it, from what I can tell. Like, no, I'm I, not hearing a lot of people excited for Charlie's Angels. I feel like more people are excited about the soundtrack because they were really pushing that in the trailer when it first came right. out over the summer. It's like make sure you listen to the Ariana Grande song that's coming out for this. Mm. So this could be a big soundtrack film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the last film for you folks to uh, consider for your box office vote is Ford versus Ferrari. Nice. Matt Damon, uh, Christian Bale looks very cool. James Mangle directed. Yes. Love him as a director. Done Logan, uh, Copland. Huge James Mangold fan. Uh, yeah, this movie looks great from all. I've heard it's it's really good from a lot of people. I don't know if it's, you know, racing films other than Talladega Nights don't typically do that well like the film rush a few years back one of, i love that movie ron howard film mm-hmm. uh just didn't get a ton of attention that year what about driven driven <laughs> the Sylvester Stallone drive film? yeah uh that was that that uh, that's Stallone uh and burt reynolds fantastic yeah but i think that this one might be a little different i think this could just because of the star power behind it you know those those movies i was just mentioning have one big star each like ryan gosling and drive uh, Chris Hemsworth in Rush, and this one's got both Christian Bale and Matt Damon, who you know two of Hollywood's biggest stars. So mm-hmm. I do think that this will pull 
maybe more people than those other films have in the past. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited for that movie. Oh, it should be very cool. So, I feel like uh, this is the first time in a while that all three movies on the bet I have heard of. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Fantastic. I was psyched that you heard Good Liar, Brie. Yeah, I'm, I love both those actors so much. I, I'm very intrigued. Like, and I, I know it's going to be a twist film at the end something's going to be unexpected happen or expected but either way i'm i'm in for it true because if somebody told me like hey which one of these three films do you think brie would want to see i feel like i would i would have gone with uh the good liar yeah out of the gate i feel like that this seems like a brief film it does and this i mean this movie i think it looks really good and i think what's what's really refreshing about this coming weekend is i think all three of these films are going to hit different audiences they're all different kind of fan bases uh you know, Good Liars probably a much it's an older audience, perhaps just with the star power and the two legacy actors, massive talents. Whereas Ford v Ferrari, yeah, Ryan's saying you're old, Brie. I didn't wasn't inferring that, Brie. I do have you know a mature taste. Also. <laughs> a mature, it's a much more mature audience as opposed to like a Charlie's Angels and Ford v Ferrari are probably uh, opposite audiences as well. Um, so yeah, I'm really curious to see how how they all do next weekend. Uh, so yeah, uh, start voting away now, and whichever uh, one gets the most votes is one that we're going to do the box office bet on. It does look like so far there's only been votes for Ford for v Ferrari. Oh, hey, nice taste Matt there, Damon Christian Bale. Like that. Uh, so, folks, some quick international news because I know Ryan is excited to talk about this. Oh yes, is uh, again I lackluster results here for Doctor Sleep both domestically and internationally. Uh, so basically couldn't do very well over the in the worldwide box office which meant that Joker mm. still chewing it up there and it's closing on the 1 billion dollar mark worldwide. Unreal. Yes. I really did not see that coming. It'll yeah, it'll uh, it'll become the first R-rated picture to hit that. At that's such a huge landmark both for Warner Brothers DC and just R-rated films in general. I think uh, this movie so outperformed what Warner Brothers thought it would. It, it's, it's exceeding all expectations. I was really excited for it. I produced DC Movie News on the network, and we've been in hype for this movie ever since you know Joaquin got cast. And I think uh, it's just sparked such a discussion. People are going multiple times. It's a hit in all regards. And this is, I mean, with that fact in mind, it's not in China. Yes. That's such a huge deal. Could you imagine if this movie was also in China? We're, we're talking past a billion, well past, maybe even getting closer to two. No, very true. Really fascinating results. It would have been interesting to see what the reaction in China would have been to yeah. this film. Yeah, I, I definitely think it would have gotten some. Well, I mean, it's just the time right now. Uh, I could definitely understand why it's not. Yes. But, um, but yeah, I definitely think that would have added even more to its, its in- income. Uh, and as Ryan was saying, it was kind of a quiet weekend here at the box office there. Uh, and so compared to last year, it uh, was basically we're about, we're down to about fifty two percent internationally. Wow. Yes. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, for some reason, you know, whether I mean, I guess last year we also had Venom that was also programming. It was doing really well internationally. So that it was kind of shore everything up. I also think it just right now uh, over the past two weeks we've had two big streaming companies starting to release their platforms with mm-hmm. apple plus a week and a half ago and this tuesday we got disney plus coming out i don't know if that's had a major impact on our box office but that's definitely putting some stuff into people's heads like okay this is i'm now structuring how i'm going to take in my entertainment i'm probably going to spend more of it at home with these streaming networks because of these new shows coming out 
and they're brand new streaming networks as opposed to maybe going to the movies, which is kind of a darn shame. Sure. I, although I feel like the morning show, I don't know if I'm worried or really worried right. about that, but I feel like when Disney Plus comes in, and there was a big article about how, given what Kevin Feige's comments were, that Disney Plus will, the shows on there for the Marvel films, will be very much tying into the films, and it's going to be a good thing to see those because that's going to really tee you up into the next set of Marvel films that those characters will appear in. So I feel like they're really seeing what Disney's probably going to lead the way in terms of how they're really getting viewers to consume their content. Uh, what, yeah, so you, because you're getting it from both sides. You're getting the streaming platform right. as well as you're getting it the theatrical releases and how those two are going to kind of start coming in from both sides to really create something. Will it work? Will it not? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, definitely Disney Plus is much bigger than Apple. That was sort of them dipping their toe into the streaming wars where Disney's going all in on Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) And I cannot wait to see how that turns out. People in the chat, we had TTO saying, I bet Joker would have made 500 mil in Hong Kong alone. You have a point there. Uh, However, it's the third film. with. Okay, so they're talking about Charlie's Angels. And yeah, they're really, they think it's going to depend on the critic reception for maybe how that does. And then, you know, next week we're getting frozen too. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, people are probably winding up for that whole onslaught of like late November, December films where it's just like Oscar, you know, films after one, one after the other and just yeah. all the way through Star Wars. Yeah, we're hitting prime movie season right now. Although I feel like it's going to be frozen. Two and then we might have a couple fine fine weeks and then uh, Rise of Skywalker Boom. and then that's gonna go bonkers. You got Jumanji too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you got a ton of big ones. That's true. If you want to see The Rock doing Danny DeVito, yes, <laughs> <Which> finally, <I laughs> finally, we're getting it. So, folks, before we do our uh, get into our box office bet and a little uh, few spoiler filled thoughts about Doctor Sleep, let's predict what we think next week's top five is gonna be. Again, we're adding the Good Liar. Charlie's Angels, Ford versus Ferrari into our already top five lifts here, which isn't, they haven't set the bar very high. So I feel like any of these can easily topple mm. midway. Um, yeah, I think I got my five. All right, lay it on us, Ryan. All right, so number one, start from one, right? Yep. Number one, Ford v. Ferrari. I don't think by much. That is a conservative bet. I bet it's going to be within five million of the next one, which I think will be uh, Charlie's Angels. Uh, number t- number three. See, I don't want to underestimate Good Liar, um, but if I've learned anything from Downton Abbey, <laughs> I think I'm going to put Good Liar at number three. Okay, I do think the three films coming out this weekend are going to be one, two, and three. Uh, four, I think Midway's going to take a drop, so I actually might go Doctor Sleep at four, and then Midway at five. Interesting. I. I want to believe in the film-going audience for Ian McKellen and and Alan Mirren. I'm going to just slightly change it, and I'm going to I'm going to swap uh, Midway and The Good Liar. I'm going to put Midway at number three. Midway at three. Good Liar coming in at uh, number four, and then rounding it out will be Doctor Sleep. Nice. Uh, so, folks, it is time to do a, a box office bet here on the film that you, oh boy. yes, you in the chat have chosen there. Uh, the way that works is whatever film that you folks have voted on, we will do our bet on what we think the opening box office total will be. The person that's closest will get to be like Brie and just bask in that victory. <laughs> and then the loser will be like me and have to go see that film and tell you all about it. Brie, I'm just curious. Where do you think Good Liar is going to place? Oh, I don't. I think it'll. 
I think it'll probably get her between 10 to 13, but it's not going to do extremely But well. in the top five, where do you oh. think? Like one, five? Mm, maybe like four. Maybe four? Huh. Wow, right. I even had it higher than both of y'all. All right. I don't know. I feel like this might be like a slow burn one where some people see it, but like I feel like this will be a one that a lot of like my parents' age will see, which I know my parents, and they don't rush to the theater. <laughs> see, I said that Have earlier. Have you seen Down Abbey yet? Has your mom seen it? I don't actually know. I need to check in with her. Right. I know that her friends were going with to go see it, like her uh, couple friend, and then she didn't want to be a third wheel. Got it. I did, my parents did see it. And they're huge fans of the, the series. So. They love it? They did love it. And they're like, it's a cliffhanger. We can't wait for the next one. I'm like, wow, okay. Oh, all right. Sounds good. Uh, so, uh, Ken Jack, I call to you, as always, there in the chat, mm. it was the summation of these, uh, these film bets. Yes, it says, uh, he said Ford v. Ferrari won. All right, Kenjack, thank you so much. All right, Matt Damon, uh, James Mangold, Christian Bale. Yeah. There we go. Uh, should be, I mean, the trailer looks very cool. It does look cool, and it's a part of racing history I'm not familiar with. That's very true. Uh, all right, well, let's see. It's a, it's a little easier when it's films that you're like, you don't mind losing on. Right. Doing your bet. You're like, ah, okay, uh, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah it's, it's fine. I, mean, I want to see this anyway. It's not Rambo. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Last Christmas, that was that one hurt a little bit, guys. <laughs> I'm going to go see that one. It's uh, when you wake up Saturday morning, you're like, let me just check the box office. I'm going to lose. I got to go see Last Christmas today. All right. I really do think that this is a star power movie. Yeah. I don't know if this is pulling. It, it might pull that NASCAR crowd. I think that it's... I'm trying to think of how to say this. It's like, I don't know if like a lot of women are going to be driven to watch this film. Just because Charlie's Angels is also coming out, you know? Yeah, oh, that's definitely, that's a great point. It's going to probably take that audience. Uh, if you're going, you're probably going to split. They're going to split at the theater and the guy's going in there and girl's going in there. I, All right. I do think it's going to do well, though. You just can't underestimate a Matt Damon or a Christian Bale movie. Can't. They they can still open stuff, especially together. Um, this could be the Reese's peanut butter of films, right here. I definitely think so. There you go. Mm. Uh, so Bree, without any further ado, are you locked in for your bet? Yeah, I'm a little shaky on this one, but I'm gonna go with my gut. All right, uh, Ryan, you good? I'm good. All right, what do you got, Bree? Down. I'm gonna go nineteen point two five. I oh my gosh! All right, uh, I she. Okay. Okay. What I thought we got? shouldn't reveal. Okay. I'll go for it. What do you got? I literally wrote 19. Oh! I have 19 right here. All right. So I'm taking the under, Brianna Phipps. All right. Domestic we'll under. We'll see. I, I have to go. With, I can't ever give a full number. I have to go somewhere point decimal. Uh, again, I shot for the moon. I went 23. All right. That so, puts Brie in a little bit of a bind there. There you go. But in a bind. Yeah, I you're easy. You're resting easy, Brie. She's resting I'm easy. Good. Yeah. You guys are on the sides. Okay. You, you're the low bet, he's the high bet. I'm in the middle. I'm so. getting a little sweaty from this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh so folks, yeah, that's gonna do it for this part of the show. We're gonna do a few, as I mentioned, spoiler filled thoughts about Dr. Sleep. But if you want to tune out now so you don't have anything spoiler for you, thanks for joining us. Like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and thanks everybody for hopping in the chat. And if you want to stay in touch with any of us even after the show's over, Bree, where can they find you? You guys can find me at Bree B R I underscore Phipps, P H I P P S on Twitter and Instagram. Ryan? At Rye Nilsen, R Y N N I L S E N. Fantastic. And Star Wars news every Thursday? 
Yes, every Thursday at right now it's four PM Pacific Standard Time. Oh, there you go. And the Mandalorian. And the Mandalorian after show is coming up on Tuesday. Oh my gosh, every time ah! someone says the word Mandalorian, I get a burst of energy bigger than this coffee. <laughs> so I cannot wait. I've been waiting for that all year. I think it's gonna be the best show of the year. So check out our Mandalorian after show. We're gonna have one episode on Tuesday, but it's usually going to be on Fridays. So tune in for that. Fantastic. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie. Uh, all right. Star Drew, Ryan, you already lost this box office bet. Thank you, Star Drew. I really appreciate it. <laughs> there you go. Way to, way to end the week with yes. a nice affirmation. Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. All right. Are you a Stephen King fan? Because I'm a massive Stephen King fan, and I've read the book. Yeah. Oh, you've read Dr. Sleep. I've read Dr. Sleep. I haven't read The Shining, oddly enough, but I do know the differences between the novel and the movie. And what I thought this movie had a really unique challenge on was being a sequel to both the book, The Shining, mm-hmm. and the movie. And I think... It did a phenomenal job for the first two hours. And then the climax let you down? It wasn't necessarily the climax. And oddly enough, the parts of this film that I was looking most forward to were actually the ones that I think hurt the overall movie, which was going back to this Overlook Hotel, recreating these shots from Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, which I thought were beautiful. So awesome to see. But I thought the first two hours of this movie... It was doing its own thing. It was really committed to its own story. And I was sold. I was so invested in the characters in this movie and the plot. I thought the plot was amazing. You know, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is way more of a character piece, whereas this was far more plot. And it was very confident, very bold. I was so invested in the story. I thought it was really uh, is uniquely visual in its own way, not trying to really even uh, live up to The Shining. But at the end, when they're at the Overlook Hotel, and we spend so much time like going to every room we're familiar with, as cool as that was, it took me out of the story. Leaving, It took all the wind out of my sails, and it honestly kind of let down the end of the film for me. If it, if they, because it, it is something when you're watching you and McGregor walk through all these sets. With an and, axe. And the lights popping up <laughs> as he's going into each hallway yeah. or each room. If they had, if they had tried to trim that down and they just get really to when he gets to the ballroom and he's at the bar and he's having the conversation with Jack Torrance, if they had trimmed that down, would you have still felt like the momentum had kept up? It's fascinating. It's a great question because really necessary scene, I think, at the bar there for his character. I just don't. It made me starting to think about The Shining as opposed to the story they were telling right then and there. And I've read Dr. Sleep. Overlook Hotel's burned down. Mm-hmm. They don't do that in the book. So this was added in. That's where it comes, hey, we're trying to do a sequel to both. I don't think they would have gotten people to go to the theater at all if they didn't show in the trailer that he's back at that hotel. So they were kind of in a tough bind in that regard. I was just so impressed by the first two hours. Rebecca Ferguson's villain, one of the best villains I've seen in a film recently. Truly horrifying. I thought she was phenomenal. And that they developed this villain so well. Most horror films, the villains are kind of put by the wayside. If you've seen, she's as much in this movie as Ewan McGregor is. No, that's true. And it was interesting seeing that scene, the, the family that, that she's created. And, you know, it's, yeah, a villain is not a villain 24 hours out of day. There are things that they care about and they're passionate about. And so she's very passionate about her clan that she has with her. And you see when uh, when things start happening, uh, and we see, like, even the uh, uh, the oldest one. When he, right. Yes, when he... When he perishes. Yes, when he perishes. Just how she's trying to... Well, we're spoiling. Yeah, right. Sorry, yes, sorry. We're spoiler Phil talk. Yeah. But when she's kind of uh, talking him through as he's passing on, just <sighs> really kind of pumping him up. And you feel like, you know, just the emotional connection between those two also, characters. Also, just when was the last time you saw a scene as horrifying as when they took out Jacob Tremblay? Yes. Cringing. That was so hard to watch. That was prime Stephen King. 
Like that that this movie soars in in the first two hours, and I just I don't know. It's I mean, what did you think of the Overlook Hotel scenes? Because I just it felt cool, but it just didn't fit in the story. I think it for me, I didn't uh, I didn't because you know uh, big big spoiler here. I've never actually seen nor read The Shining. Never seen either one. It's always one of those like I'll get to it, okay. I'll get to it, I'll get to it. So I didn't have <clears> uh, that, but what I liked is just seeing. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> sorry. You know, we're good. so many other things. We're good. We're good. I get it. You know, you haven't seen The Shining. I've never seen The Shining. Oh my I never have. Okay, okay. Uh, Frank, you always surprise me with the fact that you haven't seen like first runs of things. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's interesting. Was, so no, wait. Th- what was it last week? Sorry to interrupt. But what was last week? You saw the sequel, but not the original. Something. <laughs> oh, first it's runs. true. Uh, what was it? I can't remember. Was uh, it Rambo? Was no, it Rambo? Rambo? No, I did see all those Rambos. You saw I last saw all of them. I saw all of them. Think of it randomly. Yes. But. Okay. But so, so the, it worked for you, I guess. Did you get any of those feelings when they? Because I, mean, I know the general gist of it, and so right. I can I can buy in. If, uh, for me, I, I I'd like things that revisit other eras, other times, other right. aspects of a story. So for me, I was like, even though I had not seen the film, I still appreciated so the worked, connections. Right. So yeah, because yeah. I think if you haven't seen it, you're not familiar with the Stanley Kubrick isms from that film. That might have fit in a little more naturally for you, whereas I just I I tie those shots that the the production design everything that they were recreating so much with that character piece film mm-hmm. that in this really plot driven movie it just kind of fell out of whack as great as it was to revisit it and it, I that was the last thing I thought I'd have a problem with with this film, um, but yeah that, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, real quick at the beginning is that we see Hugh McGregor, uh, Danny Torrance, he, he's suffering from. Uh, alcoholism, something mm-hmm. that he inherited from his father there. Uh, we see a little bit at the top, and I'm kind of of two opinions of that, is that one, I, I'm, you know, we it's a long it's a long movie. There's a lot of stuff to get into. Long film. So you can't, unlike a Stephen King novel, you don't have the real estate to really dive into Danny's current yeah. state at the beginning of the film. So I feel like, in one sense, I feel like you know, it was just like tacked on, where it's like, yeah, he's really down. And now all of a sudden he's in rehab now. Or he's going to AA. Yeah, a little fast. Yeah. Maybe a few more character beats up top to get you caring about him a little more. I think it, it was really relying on people who had seen The Shining for that. and But I don't think it, it, that, that should have been required for someone like you who hasn't yeah. seen it. So that, that's a really great point. Uh, so, folks, uh, if you want to hear more spoiler-filled thoughts about uh, Dr. Sleep, just tweet. Uh, Ryan or myself, we'll share our thoughts about them. Yes, we've got plenty of them. Uh, But folks, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be back here next Sunday with an all-new episode of Popcorn Talk right here. Also, also a new episode of Box Office Breakdown right here on Popcorn Talk. Until then, folks, go see some movies. Go see some. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.